recently. I remember being in a particular situation. I was on a mission trip in another country, and I remember there was just some stuff that was going on, and there was kind of a battle taking place among the people as to who was in charge. I was just there to preach. I really didn't care who was <laughs> I'm just here to preach. And I remember standing and looking in the mirror one morning. It was one of those magnifying mirrors. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about, where you can see way more than you ever wanted to see what's all going on in there. Anyway, I was standing looking in the mirror, and I heard so clearly as if someone was standing and talking over my shoulder. And I heard, either you walk in the authority that I gave you to walk in or something or someone else will. Yes, come on. And I looked over my shoulder because I thought, whoa. And God was saying, I sent you here for a purpose for this appointed time. And I have given you a mission. And if you don't walk in the authority that goes with that mission for this time, someone or something else will walk in it. And you're probably not going to like it. Amen. So this morning, I want to say to you. You are called for this time, for this purpose, for a mission from God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm on a mission from God. I am here to kick butt and chew bubble gum, and I am all out of bubble gum. All right? You look at your neighbor and you say, the bubble gum is gone. It is time to walk in authority. And if you don't walk in the authority that God gave you to walk in that is attached to the mission that you were sent here for, someone else or something else will. So right now, in the name of Jesus, if you will make a decision, and it is is an intentional, like, I'm choosing to do this because you're going to get pushback. How many many you get pushback? You're going to get pushback, but you can't let that stop you. You have the authority. We are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You have been given the authority to carry out the fullness of what you were created and sent here on this earth for. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare over us as a body, as a congregation, as a church, as an N3C family, that we will walk beginning today. If you haven't been doing it, make a choice right now. I am not going to let anybody else walk in what I was created to walk in because whatever else is going to fill that spot is not light. It's darkness. And you are here for a purpose for this time, for a specific reason. You say, well, I don't know what that is. You start walking in authority, honey. You're going to find it. You start walking in your authority and you're going to find what you were sent here for. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we walk in the authority that was given to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, we were given certain authority and power. And he says that he has put all powers of darkness under his feet, that they are his footstool. And when we are seated with him in the heavenly places, what's under our feet? Wait, I don't think y'all are following me. If all the powers of darkness are under his feet and made his footstool, if we're seated with him, what is our footstool? 
darkness and the enemy, everything that would come to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundant. So if we are walking in Christ, what are we supposed to be walking in? Life and life more abundant. What are we supposed to be carrying to other people? Life and life more abundant. So right now in the name of Jesus, we choose to step into that power and that authority that takes life and life more abundant, not only into every area, into every nook and cranny of our lives, into our families. I declare this over all of our physical bodies. If there are people here that need that healing right now, receive that healing into every cell of your body. I declare in the name of Jesus, the healing of the brain. I declare in Jesus name, healing of the heart. I declare in Jesus name, healing of the emotions, the mind, the will, and the emotions, the soul. I say in Jesus name that your household walks in divine health that was given to us by Jesus Christ. Your household walks in divine provision that was given to us by Jesus Christ. And we are not willing to give one drop of the blood of Jesus away. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So while we're standing, let's just stay right here. It's the first Sunday of the month. We like to pray over your finances. The first Sunday. Can you believe it's already the first Sunday of the month again? Like I literally had to like just check myself right now. Like it is, right? Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. (laughs) Okay. We like to pray over your finances the first Sunday of every month. It typically comes pretty close to a payday. And so, you know, the same authority that we walk in, that we were just talking about, I want to just roll that right into our finances. So the Bible says to us that we are to give 10% of our increase back to God. He says, you do whatever the heck you want to with the 90. All I'm asking you for is 10%. That is called, what you will hear in church, called the tithe. The tithe literally means 10% of your increase, 10% of what you are blessed with, your job, your uh, whatever, wherever, whatever you do. Um, What that tithe does is it opens up your bank account. It opens up your provision that God gives to you. And it says, I invite you, God and your supernatural ability into my finances. We want him in our health. We want him in our marriage. We want him in our schools. We want him in our homes. We want him in our jobs. Golly, Moses, don't we need him in our finances? So if you're in that spot where you got too much month at the end of the money, you need to invite God into your finances. And what that does, giving him the tithe, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I trust you. You are my provider. You will always see that I have more than enough to meet my needs and to be a blessing to other people. That is that is godly prosperity. It's not just that my needs are met. That's a good prayer. And I was there at one point that God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Woo, how did, that was on every mirror in my house. Then I decided I need I need more. I need to ask God for more. So I began to pray that I am blessed to be a blessing and I have an abundance to give into every good work. And when we tithe, what we do is we open up our finances and say, God, I'm inviting you into my finances and I give you authority. I will partner with you where you tell me to give. I will be faithful with my tithe. And when the windows of heaven pour out 
into me that give me such an overflow of blessing that I cannot contain it. I will not hoard it for myself, but I will be obedient to give where you show me to give, God. That's what tithing does. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray over every tither that is watching and that is in this building. And we agree and we take hold of your word that says, try me now in this, in Malachi, that says, try me now in this. If you will not give me the tithe, that I will pour out such a blessing on you that you cannot contain it. So for all of the tithers in the building, I pray for promotions. I pray over your businesses. I pray supernatural unprecedented, unexplainable, not normal, like it just shouldn't happen, increase and favor over your businesses. I pray for new contracts. I pray for new customers. I pray for open doors that have been closed. I pray for those doors to be opened to you. I pray for blessings on your employees, that your employees would be in health and prosper even as their souls prosper, that your employees would be getting increases and bonuses and raises exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. So Father, I thank you for all of the tithers that our finances are blessed, that you rebuke the devourer for our sake. And Father, I pray over every person in here who wants to be a tither and is dealing with a spirit of fear. Father, I take authority and I partner with them over that spirit of fear. And we say that fear will no longer have a hold over their finances. Fear no longer has a hold over your household. If all the devil has to do is put fear in you about money, you will always come up short. So right now, if that has been you right now, just in yourself, if you want to say it out loud, say, I am not going to let fear hold my finances anymore. Yes. So I agree with you in Jesus name. And I pray for provision for you. That is more than enough. I pray for courage for you to trust God in this, that finances, that you would not wake up at night worrying about your money, worrying about your bills, worrying about how things are going to get done. We break that off right now in Jesus name. And father, we declare increase and blessing over this house and over all of your finances in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Turn around and tell somebody It is a good day, and it is good that you are here. Shake three people's hand and say hello to them. I like it all the way forward. Yeah, and then we'll raise it. Somebody's short's been up here. (laughs) Um, Nah, that's okay. That's perfect. Thank you, Royce. Thank you very much. Perfect. Yes, sir. Thank you. Woo. Do you guys see there's two flying things up here? And they're not angelic beings. Thank you. Yeah. So, I'm surprised I'm not Greg. All of you that thought that Pastor Greg was going to be up here today, there was a little change in plans. And so, you get me. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, 
I'm just going to say that this is something that I have been uh, sitting on for a while. And I was looking, originally I was scheduled to minister this weekend, but I was gone to Texas last weekend and um, ministered at a women's conference and at Rampant Cowboy Church down there in Texas. And I had an amazing group of ladies that traveled with me. And um, it's a miracle that we didn't get kicked out of our hotel lobby that we were staying in. Uh, but anyway... Those, what happens in Terrell shall stay in Terrell. <laughs> but um, I really believe that this word is, I know that this is a word for the N3C family. This is a word for us. I believe it is a word for the body, but it is a timely word. Um, as we get into today, you're going to understand what I'm saying. Like I felt like, and not that it had an expiration date, but that it needed to be ministered. And I wasn't sure when I was going to be back in the pulpit again to minister. And I was asking God, Lord, is it even going to be relevant then? And I get a phone call from Greg and he says, Hey, can you minister on Sunday? Uh, Hey, I sure can. I am, I am ready to go. I am so excited. And so then I'm listening to Bailey. And then I'm listening to worship this morning and I was like, God, you are always right on time. I love that. I love that so much. So um, if you don't like that, then you can um, be prayed for after service. So anyhow, okay. So if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to read out of 1 Kings chapter 18. And if you didn't bring your Bibles with you, then um, God will judge you for that later. So... You can be finding First Kings. It's in the Old Testament. Probably nobody was reading there this week. So it's back where your pages are still stuck together or where you haven't pushed that on your Bible app in a super long time. So First Kings is right before Second Kings. So you can find it. So anyway, um, I have been thinking on this. Like I said, so you guys, you guys know anything that God is talking to Lynette about, then um, that's what I share with you. So welcome to Lynette land. Everybody's coming to my house today. So this is where we're going to go. Um, as a pastor, I have the honor and the privilege of getting to be a part of people's highest of high moments in their life. I have had the amazing privilege of getting to be in the room and be with ladies and their husbands when their babies are born. That to me is, that is such an intimate, such a personal thing. And I am an excellent encourager. I am such a good encourager in the delivery room and I cry. I am all about it. I love being in the delivery room and I love getting to uh, watch people get married uh, I don't know how many weddings that we've been to. My favorite when we go to a wedding is I, I'm going to have plenty of opportunity to look at the bride, but there's only one, there's one moment when the groom sees the bride come out and he sees her for the very first time. I lose it every time. The look on the groom's face when he sees his bride for the first time, that is, oh, that's a moment, Right. So, um, we just, I mean, we get to be there when people get engaged, we get to be there when just really, really, when people find out that they're pregnant and they come and share that with us, such beautiful moments that we get to be a part of as a pastor. And as much as the highest of high moments that you get to be a part of that I get to be a part of, I also have the honor of getting to be a part of people's lowest of lows. And, um, 
we are part of death. We are part of uh, admission of addiction. We're part of, um, gosh, separations and divorces when people walk through things like that. You know, they need, they need people to walk with them. Uh, need people to walk with them. They're not going to judge them. We just, we want God's best, you know, for them. And so um, it's hard. That is a hard thing to walk through. And uh, I don't know, I had the date, it doesn't matter. But here several weeks ago, I had the honor of walking with a couple in our church. Uh, I got a phone call. I was on my way to turn into the gym and I just kept going straight. They were at a doctor appointment and there was no heartbeat detected. And uh, went, I can tell you, I hate those little rooms. The ladies have to go in for their prenatal checkups. They're ugly. How come, how come they got to be so ugly? They're just ugly, brown, tan rooms. And at this point in my life, I hate them because I've been in there more than once and it wasn't good news. And I have decided I hate those rooms. I just don't like them. Um, so anyway, uh, went with them uh, and got to be with them and... Uh, well, you all have heard the testimonies, C.W. and Kirsty, Kirsty, our worship leader, and her husband, C.W., that plays the drums. So anyway, from that point, we decided that we were going to pray because God is a miracle-working God. And we we're going to pray for the resurrection of that baby and that we were going to hear a heartbeat. And you all know the story that took place, and maybe some of you don't, that um, they went back for a scheduled uh, delivery of the baby and asked for another ultrasound. And I asked for permission to tell this story, just just so you know. Um, And there was no heartbeat detected again. And so they uh, proceeded with with the appointment that day and Asher Creed was born that, that evening. And I was upset to say the least. Um, That was not okay. And I really, the thing that really got me, I'm just gonna be real honest. The thing that really got me is I just knew that that baby was gonna have a heartbeat. I just knew we were going in there to hear a heartbeat. I mean, I was already planning on how are we gonna celebrate this? When we hear the heartbeat today, how are we gonna celebrate that? You know, I was thinking of, of all the things that we could do. And leaving there that day, I, and there were several people, several people in here that have prayed and people were there at the hospital in the parking lot, just praying and interceding and worshiping for them that, that morning. And I left there that day and got in my car and was driving home. And I said, God, I need you to teach me. I need your wisdom in this because this, this really hurts. And, um, I want to grow. I don't, I don't ever want a situation like that to get, like, my determination is, okay, that sucked, but I'm not going to let that continue sucking. There's going to be something good come out of that because God turns things to the good for those who love him. So I was praying on the way home and God began to speak to me and he kept, I kept hearing over and over again, the word contend, contend. And 
I, I know, like, people always say, like, how do you know when God's talking to you? Or how do you know it's God? For me personally, I consider myself to be a fairly intelligent person. But when God talks to me, it's like, I don't even know what that means. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know that's God because I don't even know what that word means. So I have to go look stuff up and whatnot. So he just kept, I kept hearing the word contend, contend, and contending. And so as I begin to press into it, I want to share with you guys today what the Lord is continuing to speak to me about and what I'm continuing to learn. So you're going to get a process and progress today. Are y'all good with that? All right. So if you're in first Kings, we're going to go to chapter 18, first Kings chapter 18, and I'm going to start reading in verse 14 and where we're going to pick up here. I'm sorry, not 14, 41. Uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, Elise was going, what? <laughs> um, where we're going to pick up here is we're going to read about Elijah and Elijah was a prophet in the old Testament and what had just got done happening. How many of you have heard about Jezebel or you've heard the name Jezebel, Ahab and Jezebel, which just happened is Elijah has gone up to Mount Carmel for the great Mount Carmel showdown and had one of the greatest days of ministry that a prophet could ever have. He called down the fire of God from heaven to consume the sacrifice that he had put out. And all of the prophets of Baal had put their sacrifice out and they spent all afternoon crying and wailing and cutting themselves, trying to get their fake God to do something. He did nothing. And then when Elijah calls the fire of God down, God comes down and consumes his sacrifice, it's a really cool story. And so all, then later that, all the prophets of Baal were killed. They were wiped out. And here stands Elijah. He's just had this amazing day of ministry. TBN, cameras are there, everything. So, so we pick up here in 1 Kings eighteen forty one, And it says, then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. How many of you know you got to be a limber prophet? Okay. And then he says, and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind and there was a heavy rain. Now at this time, when it says there was a heavy rain, there's been a drought and there's been no rain for years because the prophet called for a drought. Now the prophet is calling for rain and it says that there was a heavy rain. Now when it says that there was a sound, back up in verse 41, when it says that there was a sound of abundance of rain. That word sound in the Hebrew doesn't mean that it was just a noise. What it means is that there was, it was an actual, that the sound that was coming was an alerting. It was communicating that it was a witness and it was a signal of something that was approaching. So when he says that there was a sound of heavy rain and seven times he sent his servant back to look again. And the seventh time, 
It's exactly what Bailey was talking about. It's interesting to notice numbers in the scriptures. You just heard Bailey talking about the walls of Jericho and seven times what you're hearing here is Elijah sending his servant to go and look again seven times. He goes the second, the third, the fourth, and down the line. So every time that Elijah sends his servant, the servant is looking at what he's seeing, but Elijah is bowed with his face to the ground. He's not looking, he's contending. He is contending and the servant is looking and he's reporting what he sees. But see, Elijah is contending for what he doesn't see yet. Contending. All right, well, that's really cool. What about the New Testament? Let's look in Jude. Jude only has one chapter. So Jude, verse three, it says, beloved, While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend. Again, this word contend. Now, the word contend in the Greek means to fight for. And the root of that is to fight for, but the root of it lets us know that you're fighting for something with a prize attached to it, that you're not just fighting to fight. The scripture even talks about that, that we don't fight as beating the air, but what the scripture is telling us here to contend, he's saying, if you will fight for something, there will be a prize at the end. There will be a reward. There's a reason that I'm asking you to contend. Darren, Darren and I, for the past, I think three years now have started going to a gym. And the reason that we started going there, I would never in my lifetime have ever attempted this, but now I have found that I super like beating and kicking the crap out of stuff. (laughs) And I'm good at it. Um, it's a MMA gym. And what's really cool is this gym is a family of people. It's like, it's, it is a really cool group of people. So three times a week, Darren and I go over to Fort Collins to Trials MMA, shout out to Trials MMA. And we work out with coach Ryan, the Lion Schultz. He is a former champion MMA fighter and he is so fun. He will push you, push me like when you're doing mitts with him, my thing is I will pass out or puke before I quit. I mean, that's like, it is, it's fun. I just like beating stuff. It's a good time. The fighters that come in there, I'm amazed. Like I look at, I like to think that I look like that while I'm fighting, but I love watching them. They are so trained and they are so disciplined in their diet and in their training and in everything, every aspect of their life when they're training for a fight. And when they are training for a fight, they are training to enter into a battle with the intent of winning. No one enters a fight just to get the wham beat out of them. You enter a fight because you have trained with specific intent and specific purpose to win the battle. That means you are a contender. You are entering into a battle with the vision, with the hope, with the aspiration, with the training to win. 
That's why we fight is because we want to win, right? If you're not first, you're last. So too often we, we are like the servant that Elijah was sending time and time again, seven times to go and look too often. We make our decisions and our choices and we set our path our life course according to what we're seeing or what we're not seeing. We are making our career decisions. We're making our moving decisions. We're making our relationship decisions. We're making our decisions for life. We're making our decisions for our children based on what we see or what we don't see because we are reporting and making our decisions based on the visual based on what we're seeing. But Elijah was contending for what he didn't see yet. Elijah was contending for what he heard from the future. Elijah said, there is the sound of abundance of rain before there was ever a cloud in the sky. So what Elijah was hearing is he was hearing from a place that wasn't visible. It didn't exist in the now, but Elijah was hearing from a future place because he was leaning in and pressing into what was coming in the spiritual realm because everything that we see in the natural realm takes place in the spiritual realm first. So Elijah was tuned in and he was hearing from a future place and he was basing his is contending on what he heard from the future. Have, did you know that abundance has a sound? That is like, Pow. he was listening and he heard the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah heard what was coming. We base our decisions and our path on what we see now, but what is now is subject to change. What is coming is what God is sending. So we need to tune our ears into what is coming. See, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse one, that faith is, well, let me, okay. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's look at that in the Passion Translation. I love the way it says it in the Passion Translation. It says, now, faith, when, when is it? Now, right now. Faith brings our hope into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So your faith is being applied when you are contending You are contending for something that is in the future that isn't in the now yet, but now you are contending for what's in the future. So what is in the future is pulled into the now by your contending. Are you following? So verse six goes on and says, and without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. 
It is impossible. Your works, all of your everything, all of the, all of the every time of being in church, every time the doors are open, all of you trying to be good, all of you trying to do everything right. You're de- I'm determined I'm not going to flip anybody off on the way to work today. And I'm not going to say the F word, but only three times. And I'm not going to do this. And I'm not going to eat the chocolate cake when I get home today. You're trying, but it's faith that pleases God. You can try to do everything on your own, your self-determination, your self-will, just because you're going to bulldog bear it and you're going to, it doesn't matter how hard it is and how disgusting it is and how bad it looks while you're doing it. But by golly, I'm going to do this. Whereas faith pleases God, contending pleases God. Verse six. Without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him, contending. He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. It's not a, if I have time, it's not a, well, it's an inconvenience. It's not a, I just don't ever seem to get up early enough to spend time with God or something always gets in the way. Or when I sit down to read my Bible, I pick up my phone or when I plan to do this, something always gets in the way or I want to come to church, but I just can't seem to get there. It says that he is a rewarder of those who contend to be with him. There's a contending that takes place. It's a fighting. You are going to have to fight to passionately pursue God. But he also lets us know that there is a reward. What do we say? Contending has a prize attached to it. And we read here that God says that he is a rewarder of those. There is a prize. There is a, there is a reason for contending for what you don't see yet. Do you guys see that fly? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm contending. If I caught it, wouldn't we all be like, ooh, Mr. Miyagi. Okay, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Contend is to, contending is to hear what is in the future and bring it into the now but we have to be listening to what's in the future. It's kind of content to be a contender for God. You guys remember the movie back to the future, right? The shoes and the, the Levi's, everything, all of that. Okay. You remember the lightning rod and it, it was, it's like, we're the lightning rod and you just have to position yourself to be hit in the best way because you're contending because what is out there is there, but it's just not in the now yet. But if it's going to come into the now, there's got to be somebody to contend for it. Because it's just like Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is Jesus teaching us? He's teaching us to contend. 
He's saying there is a reality and there is a truth that exists in the heavenly realm that has been established for all of eternity. And my hope and my desire is for that reality that exists out here. What you hear out here would be brought into the heavenly realm, but somebody has to partner with God to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That is the bringing what we hear in the future into the present and establishing it in the present time. But we have to have contenders who are willing to be that lightning rod to take hold and to be the conduit to bring what is in the heavenly realm into now. Right? Okay. So declare this. I have ears to hear the sound of what's coming. See, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you, we've read that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Where does the word of God exist? It comes through the heavenly realm, doesn't it? It, it is established and existed there first and is released So faith comes by hearing, hearing what is in the future and bringing it into the now. I know you guys stay with me. Stay with me. God is looking. This is, this is for now. God is looking for people who would contend for essence over image. What I was, what I was hearing, and I had, then I had to go look it up. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know. I know what the word essence is, I think, but I got to go look it up. So what I was sensing from God is that contenders are not content until essence is established. Contenders are not content until essence is established. For a long time. The church, I say the church as in the church worldwide, there has been a contentedness to settle for theology, for doctrine, and for teachings about miracles, theology about resurrection, doctrine about miracles, signs, and wonders. But that, if all we're doing, if all we're doing is sitting and listening and listening and listening and listening to it, and we're not experiencing the essence of it. We're being settled for the image and we're not contending for the essence. It's time for us to stop being content, hearing about healing, being content, hearing about miracles, being content, hearing about resurrection. By golly, I want to experience the essence of resurrection right in front of me. God is looking for contenders. The word essence, because I had to look it up. Essence is defined as that which constitutes the particular nature of a being, that which distinguishes it from all others, its formal existence. So the essence is the formal existence of God. When we are contending for essence over image, what we're saying is we are not going to be content to hear about what God can do. I know God can do it. 
I am contending for the essence of who he is as the resurrection power, as the one who is all powerful, all knowing, the one who sits on the throne in heaven. I am contending for the essence of that one. That's what I'm contending for. When I hear that by his stripes we are healed, when I hear that, um, that he is the one that restores all, when I hear that he supplies all of my needs, when I hear that he is hope, when I hear that he is joy, when I hear that he is peace, I am not going to settle anymore for the image of that, for hearing about it, and for putting on the good church face and looking good and carrying the biggest Bible I can find and putting bumper stickers all over the back of my car and just telling everybody, that I'm a great Christian. I want the essence of that in my life and in my church. Two of you are excited about that. I want the heavy rain. When Elijah sent his servant and kept telling him to go and look, It was because Elijah was hearing the sound of what was coming before anybody else saw it. And he wasn't willing the fifth and the sixth time he didn't quit. There was contending that was taking place. So how do you contend as a believer? As a child of God, how do you contend? Because, well, the victory's already been won, right? <laughs> so, that, I mean, that was my question to God is, okay, well, how do you contend then? Because you don't want to get over into works. God's already done it. Okay, God's already done it, but I'm not seeing the fullness of it in my life the way that I know that why should. Anybody else? Just straight real. Anybody else there? Every day I am contending for my husband. Every day I'm contending for a baby. I'm contending for marriages. I'm contending for my children's future. I'm contending for my church. I'm contending for marriages. I'm contending. So how do I contend as a believer? As a child of God, immediately, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, in verse uh, 5, David is writing Psalm 23. And David writes in verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. See, David is writing Psalm 23, and he's writing this as a, at a time in his life when he is contending. David is writing, he begins Psalm 23 in verse 1 is saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So David is writing about a shepherd as a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Before he entered into all of this other stuff and before he became a king, he was a shepherd. So he knew intimately the care that went into taking care of sheep. So as he's writing Psalm 23 and writing about how the Lord takes care of the sheep because he is a shepherd, he knows intimately what he's writing about. And he is telling us everything that God does as a good shepherd to take care of his sheep. 
Now, what he says is he says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So when we think about being a contender as a child of God, this is the picture that we need to get in our minds. And if you need to close your eyes and visualize this, then do it. I want you to see yourself sitting at a table. And at this table, you are sitting in a royal looking throne. And straight across from you, as you look straight across that table, you are looking directly into the eyes of God. He is sitting straight across the table from you and he's looking straight back at you and you're looking straight back at him. And what you're overlooking is the table in front of you that is set with every good thing. All of this beautiful food, all of the drink that you would need, everything that you could ever want and need to provide for your life is at this table. All wisdom is at this table all natural provision is at this table, everything that you would ever need. And God is looking at you and he's saying, stay right here and lock eyes with me. Because he has set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now you see what's in front of you. If you were to turn and look behind you, what you would see is a horde of demons and they are fighting and they are snarling and they are trying to get your attention and they are reaching and they are grabbing, trying to snag you, trying to get a hold of a piece of your clothing, trying to pull at your hair, trying to distract you. And you with both of your hands have a hold of that table that is set in front of you because the word, when he says you prepare a table before me, that word prepare literally in the Hebrew means a battle line. So behind your throne seat that you are seated at this table is a line in the sand. And that line in the sand has been drawn by God. And he's saying, as long as you stay at this table with me, everything you need is right here, baby. You keep your eyes locked right with me. Don't you pay attention. They're snarling. They're hurling lies. They're throwing insults. They're telling how bad it's going to get. They're telling you that you don't have a future. They're saying things about you to other people. They're making accusations, but you stay right here and you keep your eyes locked with me. That is your place of contending. All of this going on back here. If you get up to go back there, To address that, you leave your position of authority. You leave your place of provision and authority that God has set for you in the presence of your enemies. And let me tell you what, they don't like that. And everything that they do is to draw you out of your place of authority because they know if they can get you to cross that line, you step over into their territory and you leave your position of authority to try and go and fight a fight that has already been won. But if they can get you back there fighting, you leave your position. So, David goes on and he writes, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. He says, you anoint my head with oil because back in that time, and I'm not sure if they still, are there any sheep farmers in here? 
Yes, okay, then please let me know if I report this incorrectly. All I had to do, I could study what I could study. I don't know if it's still done or not, but back in that time, they would pour oil over the top of the sheep's head for it to drip down over their ears, to run down over their ear holes and over their nose holes. Do they still do that? Okay, probably have medicine for that now. But what, what it was is that oil would run. So it wasn't just a little dabble, do ya? I mean, we're pouring, pouring some oil to get it to run all the way over their head like that. So it would run down over their nose and coat their noses because there was a fly that would fly up their noses and lay larvae. And when the larvae would hatch, worms would hatch and go up their uh, nasal canal up into their brain and begin to uh, do stuff in their brain. That's gross, okay? (laughs) So... What the sheep would do when these worms would get into their brain and begin to squirm around in their brain, it was extremely uncomfortable and it could even cause death. So the sheep would begin beating their heads against the ground, against rocks and against trees to try and alleviate the pain and the discomfort that the worms were causing in their brain. And it would even cause them to run aimlessly with no, uh, no purpose other than to try to get away from the pain that was in their minds, in their brain. You anoint my head with oil. What is he saying to us? He's saying that God pours the Holy Spirit over us. The Holy Spirit in the Bible is signified with oil. So he's saying, I will pour the Holy Spirit over you because there are going to be flies. Do you know what one of the names of the devil is in the Bible? Beelzebub. I know it's kind of a funny word, right? Beelzebub. Do you know what that means? Lord of the flies. I know, me too. I was like, oh my gosh. So what is he saying? He's saying that the Lord of the flies is all jacking around back here and he's trying to send flies up here. He's trying to get you to turn around so that he can send flies up your nose, flies of lies to lay worms and hatch and go up in your brain and be squirming around in your brain with all of the lies from the pit of hell to tell you that God doesn't care, that he's not listening, that your prayers don't matter, that it's not accomplishing anything. So why do you keep doing it? The flies are swarming to try to get you to believe the lies that the enemy is sending because he knows that if you stay at the table, the Holy Spirit will anoint your ears with hearing and cover you so that even the smell that you breathe in is the holy incense of God that will fill you up to such a place that you begin to tune your hearing into a future place as you are sitting at the table. I to eye with God with everything that you could ever need and that in that place the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and impart to you battle plans that have been laid that cause you to walk victorious because you're not stepping back into this place being distracted by the flies the Lord of the flies and running around swatting at flies like I've been doing up here this morning that you are focused And that you have got your eyes locked on God, listening to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. 
So he says to us, this is really cool. He says to us in Matthew eleven twelve, in the New King James, it says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That sounds to me like contending. That means that, is it there? Yes. Do we have it all right now? I don't. I'm contending. I am contending. He goes on and says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until now, until John, and you, if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We can hear and listen for the future rain. The heavy rain is coming. How do I know? (laughs) Because if you're listening to all of this back here, I'm not talking about our worship team. (laughs) If you're listening to all of the lies, the lies are coming now more than ever in my lifetime that I am aware of. The lies are coming to tell you that you're a minority, that you don't have power, that the future is not good, that um, the way of faith is uh, subsiding, that the church is shrinking, that there are no miracle signs and wonders anymore, that the economy is crashing, that uh, everybody's health, the plagues and uh, world pandemics, that's the the thing. All of that, do you want to know where all of that is coming from? On the other side of that battle line. All of that's coming from the other side of that battle line. You and I, this is why I felt this is so imperative right now. You and I have a choice to make. And the choice that we have to make is more imperative now than in my lifetime. We have to choose to stay seated in our position of authority. Because if you don't walk in the authority that God gave you, someone or something else will. And if you leave your seat to go and chase after lies to chase after distractions, to chase after busyness, you are leaving vacant the place that you and you alone were created to be seated. No one else can take that spot. If you get up and leave your spot at the table, I cannot sit there. But what does come in is darkness. See, okay, let me... When people talk about that the world is getting darker and darker and it's just getting worse and worse, let me, let me share a little Lynette Heavy Revy with you. You guys ready to write this down? You cannot turn darkness on. You can only turn the light off. The only way that the darkness grows is just because the lightness, the lightness, <laughs> the light shrinks back. If the light is pressing forward, It chases away the darkness. 
But if the light begins to shrink back because it's being told over and over and over again, all of the mess coming from back here, the light begins to shrink back, then what happens to the darkness? But here's the other thing. You cannot resort to the tactics of darkness and expect to walk in the authority of light. We, as people sitting at the table, cannot engage in foolishness. We are held to a higher standard. We are held to a place that is worthy of being seated at the king's table. That means you and I cannot get into mudslinging. You and I cannot get into name-calling. You might have an opinion about it. I'm not saying not to have an opinion about it. Have an opinion about it, but mind yourself on your social media at the table. Mind yourself in your conversations because you're seated at the table. You cannot act like a fool and sit at the table and expect to hear from the future. Foolishness plugs your ears up. Wisdom sits at the table and is not distracted by all of this going on back here. There's a lot going on back there. He says, you keep your eyes locked right here with me. You stay here. And he's adamant about it. He is contending for you to stay at the table. He's let us know, this is where you need to be. This is where your authority is. This is where your power is. This is the space that I have created for you to walk in. I believe one of the greatest lies that we are told right now is I prayed and nothing happened. That is what the flies were trying to tell me as I was driving out of the parking lot of the hospital with CW and Kirsty. And I purposed in myself that Asher Creed would have a legacy. I know that there's a bunch of people in here, along with his mom and dad, who have purposed that he will have a legacy. Amen. And did the sound come? To tell me you prayed and nothing happened. Oh yeah. But here's what God told me. Is he said you prayed. And is your heart broken? Not nearly as much as mine. But he said you're looking at what is seen. And I need you to listen for what is coming. So I want to say this to you. Every person in here who feels like you have prayed and nothing happened. And maybe the, uh, well, I am going to say it. All of the accusations come to say, well, I didn't pray right. I had sin. I didn't do this. Maybe, maybe I'm supposed to pray uh, more with Elizabethan English and maybe it will happen then. Or maybe, maybe I didn't say the scripture right. Maybe I have to get on my knees. Maybe I have to be in a dark room. Maybe it's because I did this. It's because I uh, said that, this, and I did that. And all of what happens, it's, it's me, 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 me. Everything I did wrong. Everything I didn't do right. Everything I should have, could have, would have done. What is that doing? 
you are partnering with the accuser of the brethren against yourself. And what is that doing? You're getting up from the table that was prepared for you, and you're going back here, and you're saying, everybody just beat the wham out of me. So here's what I want to do. How many contenders do we have in this church today? How many contenders do we have in here today? For every person who would say right now, Rhett, can you go ahead and come up? For every person who would say right now, one of the lies that I have been told that is here that's trying to keep me to dis, trying to get me to disengage at the table is a lie that says that I prayed and that my prayers don't work. If that is you, I want to anoint your head with oil. And if that's physically, you could come up here, but I am going to ask you to stand right now because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to anoint your head with oil because there are larvae. It's disgusting, right? I don't want worms crawling up my nose. That's gross. <laughs> I don't know why the voice, but it was. If you want your head specifically touched, I want you to come up here and just line across here because I am going to stand as a good shepherd today, I am a shepherd as a pastor. And as I sang this morning, I declared that I have been given the authority. And I have been given the authority to anoint your head with oil. Could somebody find oil for me? <laughs> I didn't bring it up. Thank you, Linda. And I'm going to ask, if you're lined up across the front, if you're double lines here, what I'm going to ask you to do is line up here, and I'm going to ask you to go down the wall. So not a double line. Just get in a single line because I don't want to miss anybody. And go ahead and begin to line up down that wall right there. And I'm just going to come along, and I'm going to touch your head. And what's going to happen is all of the worms that have come in your head, line up right, go right down the wall right there, and I'll come right in front of you. All of the worms that have come to lay larvae and to put lies into your head and those things that have caused pain right now here's we're going to speak this right now in the name of jesus physical healing over the brain so anybody who has brain trauma anybody who has chemical imbalance anybody whose brain is not firing uh anybody who uh <laughs> i can't remember it in a trade <laughs> that's funny sorry dementia that's not funny. But the fact that I couldn't remember the word, please, please hear my heart. That We're laughing at the devil. I'm not going to say this. Okay. Dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, anybody who's dealing with any of that, I'm here to lay my hand on your head. If you are standing in the rows right now I'm, I mean I'm going to come and I'm going to do like this so it's not going to take long but I want you to continue to line up I'm going to go down this row and I'm going to start right back there now come right up here and we're going to pray if you are standing right now that means that God is the wanting to touch your head and anoint your head with oil when your head is anointed with oil number one you're marked you're marked and said, you are not an orphan sheep. You belong to someone because you have a shepherd. So right now, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, 
and said, I give my heart to Jesus and I just want to follow Jesus and I invite him into my life and I give him everything that I have because he's given me everything that he has. I don't even know what it all means right now, but I'm just going to do it. Then do it right now. And if that's you, shoot your hand up in the air right now. Yeah, do it. Shoot your hand up. There's a hand there, all over, right here. If a hand is up next to you, people who are standing, I want you to go. Go to them right now. Go to these people. Keep your hand up really high. Don't be embarrassed. There's three. There's four right there. Prayer team, if you're here, I want you to go. And there's a hand back there in the back. And there's a hand over here. I want people to begin to move to them. And I want you to love on them. I want you to tell them how awesome they are and how awesome God made them. You are not a orphan anymore. You have a shepherd that is anointing your head with oil. So everybody that's standing, I want you to stay right where you're at <coughs> and contend. If you want to shut your eyes and visualize being at that table, using your holy imagination right now, being at the table with Father God, what is he giving to you there? What are you laying down and not paying attention to behind you? And what is he giving you? So you've got homework while you're standing there. If while you're standing there, if you see somebody around you that you feel like God is just telling me that I am supposed to go and put my hands on them and pray for them, (coughs) then you should do that. You should not ignore that. Okay? So keep going. Um, I'm going to come right now. This, here's what I, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for this auditorium to be filled with the sound of heaven. That means I want to hear your voices praying. I want to hear the angelic prayer of praying in the spirit. And if you've never prayed in the spirit, I want you to listen to what that sounds like around you because it's a beautiful sound. We're contending. I'm inviting you into the arena to contend right now. So let's do it. Stay right where you're at. Contending. We're contending. It's a process and it's a discipline and it starts right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're anointing your ears with oil top of your head to the soles of your feet, all lies are gone. All lies are gone in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. 
just reach your hands out somewhere. If there's somebody across the auditorium that just it's like, man, I just noticed them, or uh, it's it's not you just noticing them. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you toward them. So everybody, just move wherever you need to move, and just begin to pray truth. Father, you speak your identity over them. You speak your destiny over them. You speak your calling over them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and power is going to flow through you right now. Your power? No, the power that comes by being seated at the table as a contender. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 